Chris Galzer here with Matt Hell. On this episode of The First to Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Red Sparrow. Jennifer Lawrence is James Bond, but more like Red Grant, I guess. But not, but not quite Red Grant. It's a whole thing. We'll talk about it. Uh, she plays a Russian spy opposite Joel Edgerton. We're also going to talk about the Spanish horror film Veronica that just popped up on Netflix, Matt, that people are saying they had to turn off. It was so scary. And then finally, we're going to do the lounge. We're going to do our Oscars recap. I wanted to cancel this segment entirely, but um, <laughs> I felt maybe it was best that we did talk about how the Oscars went. And then some other stuff that's going on. So let's start everything off with a clip from Red Sparrow. From this day forward, you will become sparrows. Weapons in a global struggle for power. Every human being is a puzzle of need. You must learn to intuit what is missing, become the missing piece, and they will give you anything. Take off your clothes. Your body belongs to the state. Since your birth, the state nourished it. Now the state asks something in return. You must learn to sacrifice for a higher purpose. To push yourself beyond all limitation and forget the sentimental morality with which you were raised. I kind of felt that was like watching this film at times that I really had to kind of just put go past just the general morality that I've been raised by and serve the state, of course, that being the show, by watching mm-hmm. the film Red Sparrow, directed by Francis Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence plays Dominika or Egorova, excuse me. She is a Russian ballet who suffers a horrible, not quite so much of an accident. And then she gets brought into this web of intrigue when she is hired to sort of kind of seduce a guy and then they end up killing her and they give her a choice because you're a witness j-law mm-hmm. you either get taken out or you join the red sparrow program yeah. of course she joins the sparrows because her mother's sick as well she got a creepy uncle who's uh, in the fsb uh which is the modern version of the kgb and then, so things go horribly awry. She teams up or is working against or is conning Joel Edgerton. It's a whole thing, Matt. Really, we could talk about it all day. So I know we do enjoy our slow burn spy thrillers around here. Your Tinker Tailor Soldier spies, if you will. We also love our high speed, intense uh, action films involving the spies, a la your Jimmy Bonds. So Matt, <laughs> where do you peg Red Sparrow? And did you enjoy the film? Was it a success? Do you have any issues? Is this a Tinker Tailor? Is this more of a Spectre? Or where do you come down? Um, oh, that's that is a good question. It's definitely neither of those things. I think it tries to kind of walk the line between the two, and it's not really successful in either one because of it. Um, it really should have just committed to either being Atomic Blonde or uh, being. Uh, that, I guess it's a better. Yeah. <clears throat> Or uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, something along those lines. Um, But it doesn't. Um, So we get kind of a convoluted, uh, you know, double cross within double crosses, uh, Mm. you know, uh, intrigue. But then you also get these kind of flashes of violence and action. Um, And it's, I don't know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it's not cohesive. It's it's just, you go from these kind of like these shocking images and just these like really brutal scenes and then to just kind of, you know, I don't know, like a bunch of uh, spy interplay that we're suddenly supposed to care about. Um, 
I wanted this to be good, but I don't know. I think it kind of fails a little short of the mark for me. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I, I have a, one of my notes is a not so taught political spy thriller. You know, I, and I got to admit, I don't know if maybe I'm just, uh, I don't think spoiled is the right term, but part of me was hoping for an M. Night Shyamalan reveal at the end that uh, Daniel Craig walks on screen and this is like a backdoor James Bond <laughs> cinematic ex- universe expansion. Mm-hmm. All right. And then she's going to be, uh, you know, because I think they should do, I've thought that for a while, they should have like a Felix Leiter film, right? They should do, they have all these possibilities that they could do that they just, they don't. But I don't want to get sidetracked. But I was kind of hoping that that would be like a little hidden, expanded Bond universe type thing. It, I feel that it's, it's, it's trashy without being lurid. Part of me really wants to have seen a, in his prime, Brian De Palma make this movie. Uh, it's, I think it would have been a little bit more, I don't know, interesting and schlocky in a way that would have been more enjoyable than this thing was. Uh, it does not, does very little to elevate Lawrence. I mean, she does the best she can with this work. I mean, she's, she's always great, but I don't think the film serves her. Uh, She, there is a lot of abuse that she takes. And unfortunately it's not like you said, you mentioned briefly, it's not an atomic blonde abuse where Charlize is handing it out just as much as she's getting it. There's a lot of physical and sexual abuse that Jennifer Lawrence experiences in this film that is just, she suffers a lot in this thing. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't think it was really pointed and it needed really to occur. There's a mystery behind that's going on as this film unravels as to who the person that Joel Edgerton is trying to protect, who the mole is in the Russian government, that kind of just takes a backseat to the twist. I feel like what there was... And the twist that occur, because you're never really maybe that sure if Jennifer Lawrence is really turning good or if she's working her um, her job as the spy. But the problem is you don't really care either. You know, it's just, I don't know. The first half I just found turgid. I really had a hard time kind of getting through it. And then as the thing progresses, we get introduced to Egerton and there's more um, spy-y stuff. I just found myself caring less and less. So, uh, and part of the issue too I have is that there's no, I felt that there was absolutely no chemistry between Lawrence and Edgerton whatsoever. I don't know yeah, they were super flat and I don't know, I, I don't know whose fault of it that is. I kind of swung back and forth because I mean, if both of them could be engaging and they can have that kind of uh, interplay between their co-stars. But I'm even thinking back, I mean, even as so I was thinking back to like Lawrence, I'm like, okay. In uh, what was that terrible sci-fi movie with her that we saw last year that I'm obviously blocking out of my mind? Passengers. I'm like, was that more Chris Pratt even doing the heavy lifting? Was it Bradley Cooper doing the heavy lifting? And maybe it is, but at the same time, Edgerson is hasn't always been the most compelling of uh, actors as far as that goes as well. So I don't know. Maybe it's just they got two milk toast people to to be in their spy film that uh, depends on you know seduction and stuff. So maybe bad casting choices. Yeah, I just didn't. Nah, just think this. You know, all of this just didn't work for me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I know well, it's the problem too, Matt. This thing's what two hours, not two and a half hours long, almost two twenty. Yeah, it's two hours twenty minutes long, and it's yeah. I was I was really annoyed at that. I was like getting ready to go see this late at night, and I was like, "How long is this thing anyway?" It's like a hundred and forty-five minute running time. I'm like, "Son of a." <laughs> Listen, we're all for long long films, right? Deliberately yeah. paced, as we call it, but still, it is. It's a sit. It's it's, and the problem is it's just not that entertaining. It's it like you said. It doesn't. 
It doesn't. Re- it, it, sh- it lives between two worlds that and embraces neither. So mm. um, I think that's a problem for the film. I don't know. I. It's it's fine. I got. I wouldn't rush out to the theater and see this. Maybe if you got a rainy day afternoon, maybe. I mean, I'm coming, Matt. I'm giving this thing a C minus. I really. It was just. I just had nothing, nothing exceptionally redeeming about it. Nothing innovative about it. It's not trashy enough to be enjoyable on that level. And even then, the the sexual stuff is is it's punishment. It's not yeah. seduction. It's it's just I don't know. I just didn't wasn't a fan. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think I'll go a little lower, D plus. I think mm-hmm. the really the the length is really unforgivable, and it's going to knock it down another quarter, third of a letter grade for me. Fair enough. Alright, if you had a chance to see Red Sparrow, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. That's March 13th. Matt, it is the week. I hope you've been saving your pennies. Cause um Alright, first off, you have the 2017 Best Picture, The Shape of Water, being released. Includes a bunch of making of featurettes, uh conversation with uh Guillermo del Toro's master classes on this, a couple of anatomy of the scenes. I get if there's not a lot on here. I'm wondering now, especially with the best picture, we may get an expanded edition of this at some point. Maybe Criterion will get their hands on it. Yeah, maybe. But that's going to be way in the future. Can you yeah. wait that long, Chris? I don't for know. For Criterion to get their hands on it. No, you can't. Possibly not. Next up, you have Call Me By Your Name, uh, the fantastic film with Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet? It's getting released as well. Um, I really, really like this thing. I don't think Matt, you had an opportunity to catch up with it yet. So, uh, not seen it. You have seen though the Florida Project already, right? I mean, it's been two weeks since you said you'd watch it, and I. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. Of course not. I'm just gonna keep disappointing you. Now it's like a running gag. Great. <laughs> uh, also, um, I couldn't find any special features or anything for "Call Me by Your Name," but still, well worth your time. But and also too criminally underappreciated. Um, supporting role by um, oh good god what's his name he's actually tied John C. Riley as being in three best picture Michael Stuhlbark he's in three best picture nominees this year I think John C. Riley was the only person that's done that oh wow so uh, it's a brief scene but it's a scene that like every actor dreams to have in their life it's kind of that powerful and moving also being released is I, Tanya. Includes audio commentary with the director Craig Gillespie and some deleted scenes. The Disaster Artist being released as well includes commentary with Franco's Waizu and Greg Sestero as well as some more. And there's also, I love this, there's a featurette, Oh Hi Mark, making a disaster and then directing a disaster in a gag reel. Suspiria is getting its single disc release. It had a two disc set re- mm-hmm. uh, previously that's got uh, included the soundtrack. But if you don't want to splurge for the steel book with all that stuff, you get the single disc. That'll be out now. Uh, Downfall, the uh, film about the um, the last few days of Hitler in the bunker. If you ever see that clip, um, it's basically what a, it's a meme clip where it's Hitler slamming on the table and complaining yeah. about something. Yeah. It's from this film, Downfall. So you can finally check that out. And then Criterion is giving us The Age of Innocence. Scorsese's film features a new... Newly restored 4K digital transfer approved by Scorsese himself, as well as a 5.1 surround DTS master audio soundtrack. New interviews with Scorsese and other members of the cast and crew. And uh, hey, it's Criterion. Uh, Arrow is giving us a couple individual releases previously only available as part of a George Romero box set. Uh, The Crazies and Season of the Witch are both being released. 
there's the Season of the Witch ex alternate extended version that's included with this individual as well. And both films have brand new 4K restorations. I got to tell you, the crazies. I haven't seen Season of the Witch, the crazies, though. It's not that good. Uh, and if you're going to watch one, I would highly recommend the uh, remake with uh, Justified there. Timothy Oliphant. It's okay. actually pretty good. What else is coming up, Matt? Oh, Possibly the biggest release of 2018, Matt, on Blu-ray and DVD. I know you're excited about this. Are you ready? Ready. Justice League. Includes a Target oh, book. Woo! <laughs> and a, a steel book from Best Buy. I was actually contemplating including inserting Justice League clips no matter what the film was throughout the entire show. <laughs> but then I just couldn't buy I just couldn't bring myself to, your, to do it. You came to your senses? Yeah, basically. So that's getting released as well with a whole bunch of making of stuff there. And then you have finally, as all my papers are out of order, damn it, Jimmy. Uh, I don't have um, Hulu, so you can now check out The Handmaid's Tale. That's getting released on Blu-ray and DVD. And then your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think we mention these every time they come out. I We have yet to see a single one of them. But the fact that there, I think, I wonder if this is the sixth film. Maybe it's the fourth film in the franchise. Uh, I don't know. But Evil Bong 666 is being released. Your favorite stoner characters are back, Matt. And Evil Bong 666. When a blood sacrifice opens a portal to hell, EB's return to Earth, where Lucy Fur, the new proprietor of her weed shop, has some sinister plans of her own. Before EB's dreams of world domination can be satisfied, she'll need to employ the help of Rabbit and the Ginger Dead Man. Channeling their inner Dr. Frankenstein, E.B. and Rabbit create the Ginger Weed Man, a tiny Patrick monster made from the greatest strains of weed on Earth. This animated edible is ready to join the fight in sexy hell. Keep your bongs packed. This is going to be one crazy trip, Matt. Bonus features include spotlight on actress Robin Sidney, the, spoke, the smoke of hell behind the scenes looking at making evil bong 666, breaking into sexy hell, a look at adult actress Trillium, Transitioning into mainstream films. Trillium? I would not classify this as breaking yeah, into would, mainstream films. I would really look at the uh, definition of mainstream. <laughs> so, Evil Bong 666 is your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? All right, well, I'm going to go a little bit of a, little bit of a side shoot. I'm not going to use Amazon Prime or Netflix or um, uh, Hulu. Uh, I'm going to go with H something that's on HBO Go. I think enough people, because of Game of Thrones, have HBO Go available to them. But if you have HBO Go, I suggest you go out and check out one of the best films of the year last year, um, nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Get Out is available for streaming. Um, the, uh, the horror film about uh, race relations in America, uh, very creepy, made by a funny guy, Jordan Peele, has its moments of levity as well. Um, really good, solid horror film. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out because it's out there for streaming. Or if you have seen it, watch it again. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with that. One of my favorite moments, we'll talk a little bit more about this in our Oscar recap, is Jordan Peele winning the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Mm -hmm. And him walk, his face as he's walking off stage, and he just cannot believe it. I've yeah. never seen a, just a, a pure image of just kind of shock and joy. It, it's really, it, it sustained me for like the entire week. It was really nice. That's all it takes, huh? It is. Well, when, when your life is as dark as mine, it's every little bit of sunshine helps a little bit, you know. Okay, good, good. <laughs> okay, and we on. brought it back down. Yeah, we brought it back down a little bit. Let's bring it back up. So as normal, since we have the foreign language film coming up, I don't have a clip for you because 
that we are big in Spain. I probably should have included it anyway. Damn it. Let's talk about Veronica, or as I like to call it, Ouija Casa de Evil. <laughs> so Matt, why don't you explain to everybody what Veronica is all about? Sure. Veronica is the story of a um, 15-year-old girl, funnily enough, named Veronica, has to take care of her siblings, her younger siblings for her working mother, um, goes to a Catholic school, and she decides that during an eclipse, her and a couple of her friends are going to attempt to contact her deceased father um, using a Ouija board in the basement. Nothing can go wrong with this because this is not a horror movie universe, um, but essentially... She calls in dark spirits that start to stalk and torment her and her family. And terrifying situations ensue. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So I found the film suitably creepy. Yeah. Um, it had some kind of nice little set pieces, some nice moments in it. I think, unfortunately, the scariest part of the film is the first 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, okay. After that, I nothing else really. Uh, there were some scares and stuff. It was it was fine. Um, it I think it tries it thinks it's introducing a new twist in the um, Ouija possession type thriller thing that I I don't know if it works as well as maybe you did. I don't know. We could talk about it because um, she thinks that there are spirits that are trying to invade her world, but that's really not quite the case. Right. Um, I'm another issue too. I don't know if the teen angst stuff works that well. Uh, I think it's a little schizophrenic in its music cues though. A couple times I did enjoy it. Uh, particularly the overlay of the old school kind of monster music from the fifties in right. one point in the apartment. But then there's also a bunch of, basically I felt like this guy watched the Ouija, um, origin of evil and then, uh, it follows and then yeah. kind of made a little smash up of that, of the movie there. So, I don't know. In the end, I felt kind of as a nice little fun haunted house movie at the end, all things being some irregular synth action. I just don't know if I enjoyed the teen angst stuff. I don't yeah. know. I did have a question for you, though, with it, since you do have a daughter. Is this how puberty works? Is this generally, is this film an <laughs> allegory for puberty? Is that what's happening? Then maybe um, I'm just not smart enough to appreciate I don't know. I'm not there yet. So, okay. um, are you again terrified like, it is that this is, yeah, I'm, I'm very terrified. <laughs> um, you know, uh, my father's friend, he said he had as a daughter and he says, you know, one day she was my little girl and you know, she was, I was, you know, I was sunshine of her life and she was a daddy's girl. And then the next minute she woke up one morning and she hated my guts and she did for like six years after that. So, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so hit, hit me up again in like six years and we'll see what happens. All right, I'll, I'll tell you how it's with you. So it, I just felt the whole thing was uneven. Even like the, some of the, the music, like the Goblin Nickelback smash up band right. that I just didn't, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, there, I, I, I felt like I'm, 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 I'm number twoing all over this film, but it's, yeah. it's not, it's not that bad. But yeah. when you come to me and say, people are turning this thing off halfway right. through because it's so scary. Right. I, I have some expectations set, right? And maybe we'll get more of that with Hereditary, um, or it was previously known as Untitled A24 Horror Film that's yeah. coming out in about a month, which is supposed yeah. to be the scariest thing in years. I know. I hate it when they set something up that big. I'm, I'm nervous. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was, it was, it was okay. I just, yeah. I was a little, I felt like I had kind of seen these things before, and there wasn't really enough new stuff to really keep me riveted and terrified. It's, it's fine. Yeah. What'd you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, I think this is, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is, if you've seen Ouija Origin of Evil, which we thought was a pretty good solid, better than it had any right to be horror film. Um, it has a lot of the same visuals. It has a lot of the same kind of 
kids in, in peril kind of thing. And, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, Annabelle 2, you know, kind of vibe going on as well with the, the women or the kids in, in peril. But I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I didn't think we were really getting anything new. Um, uh, I wasn't particularly scared. I mean, there's no really jump scares. There's not right. really any kind of dread. Um, it's really just a lot of... Um, I don't know. I guess you get kind of like an unease and like that's kind of creepy visuals, but I don't know. Nothing really that was earth shattering as I expected it to be. I was very disappointed. You know, it's also disappointing that this is um, directed by Paco uh, Plaza, who is the guy who did Wreck and Wreck 2. Right. Um, yeah. So, well, and I think he did Wreck 3 too, which diminishing returns, but still, um, you know, I was kind of, I had to have really high expectations based on the kind of feedback from the horror community and, and the fact that this guy who directed it, but I don't know, it's not, uh, it's not that great. If you're looking for an okay horror film and on Netflix, I mean, sure. Check it out, but I don't know. I wouldn't go out of your way to see this. Yeah. No. And wreck and wreck two are fantastic little horror films too. I really yeah. like both of those. I haven't seen four yet, which is on Netflix. I believe that's the one that's on the cruise liner. Right. Right. But, um, still, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I think the creepiest stuff is the beginning of the film and then the scene in the school cellar when she reacts, you know, after being quiet for a bit. There's actually, it's basically the poster. If you take a look at the poster, it's that scene. And it's right. It, it, that one made me jump. But outside of that, it's it's fine. Though I will give one thing credit that I don't think about entirely enough that I, I think that as in the English language, I clearly think phantasma is a much cooler word than ghost. Yeah, and, uh, we should uh, clearly. I think we should bring that in. We should uh, start referring to as solely as phantasms. Phantasma. Yes, clearly. I think that's. I think I, I. It's a much cooler word. It is. So, thank you, Veronica, or as we like to call it, Ouija, Casa de Evil. <laughs> Casa de Evil. <laughs> Apartmento de Evil. <laughs> I don't even know if that's right. Um, so, what are you giving it? Yeah, I got. Um, I gave it a. I gave it a. I wrote C plus down, but I I think that's a little generous. But that was my, you know, I'll just stick with it. C Your initial plus. reaction? Yeah, I give it a C. Um, yeah. Inoffensive, it's fine, but that might be the kiss of death for a horror film, really. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. If you had a chance to see Veronica, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, we're done show. I think we have nothing else to talk about. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm ready. I'm done. Yeah. Oh, there's no. You don't want to talk about maybe. Some picks, yeah, Some- <laughs> yeah. Let's hear, uh, you know, let's 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 just hear a clip and do it. Son of a bitch. Oh, my feet already killed me. I made Brewster pigs in the blanket tonight before leaving. Boy, he just ate them up. No thank yous, no yum yums, not a feet. Man is as silent as a grave. Farts for flattery. Kind of heapy Shakespeare. And then I get home and I make him breakfast. Eggs, bacon, and butter toast. I butter the man's toast Eliza. Mm-hmm. Both sides. As if he was a child. And I don't even get a thank you. You'd be grateful because you're an educated woman, but my Bruce, all he had going for him was animal magnetism back in the day. <laughs> Hadn't worked in a while. Look in the sand. Lou, you boys mind putting the trash in the can? That's what it's there for. 
Just let it out. So I was 17 out of 24, Matt. Do you know how many you got right? I know you got like a one or two more right than I did. I think it's basically. Uh, like no, I don't. I, I, I don't know. Fine. Well, here you got. Here's one 18 you got right. Then your pure original score, which is BS, 19. And then um, that sound mixing, uh, which is 20. So I think we'll, we'll call it that. I've had enough. So you were three more right than I did. You were 25 out of 24. I was 17 out of 24. I did nail every one of the big categories. So if you were betting big with me, all in, baby. One honey. One honey. One honey. All in. All right. Yeah, now, whatever whatever helps you sleep at night, Chris. That's the only thing that lets me sleep at night. So, first off, a couple things. Uh, Roger Deakins, fourteenth times a charm. Is it fourteen, thirteen, fourteen? Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. When you look back, the fact that Deakins has been nominated that many times and had never previously won. Thankfully, he did win for Blade Runner. So, out of all of this stuff, that may that may be the thing that makes me the happiest uh, is that he won. Uh, a couple things that I found absolutely atrocious is the fact that, um, listen, Alexander de Pla's score for uh, Shape of Water is nice, it's magical, it's whimsical, it's great. Johnny Greenwood's score for Phantom Threat is just a stunning piece of music independent of the film itself. And the fact that he didn't win is absolutely ridiculous. And then finally, um, my other big complaint is the sound mixing. All right, so briefly... (laughs) Sound editing and sound mixing. So sound editing is basically the introduction of sound effects, right, into the film and how, how they, everything kind of comes together. Sound mixing is the mixing of, of just not only sound effects but music and how everything, how the film kind of flows together and how the, how the music kind of carries you along through the film and everything. And that's, right. that's what Baby Driver was from start to finish. That's what that film was. There is no baby driver without sound, the sound mixing job. You could, Dunkirk, the other films, it's just ridiculous. It clear, so the, clearly the Academy voters do not know what sound mixing is. And I should not have lost that. That just blows my mind. And then Matt, cho- Matt chooses Dunkirk because he knows that people are ignorant. And I <laughs> had faith in the American public. I got burned last year on that, and I got burned again in the Academy voters this year on that. <laughs> and I don't understand. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. Idiots. What were your thoughts, Matt? Anything about the picks that you wanted to talk about? Uh, not really. I'm not. I wasn't super surprised. I mean, other than you know, obviously, I I wanted Shape of Water to win Best Picture. Um, I was not confident it was going to be. Yeah, but you didn't I'm, have. You didn't not. You did not have faith. I did, but you couldn't do it. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Chris. We've done this. We've done these Oscar picks many, many times. And usually I vote with my heart and I usually end up losing terribly. So I basically went with what I thought was going to go from, as you pointed out, what the broader Academy voters would do. And I'm happy. Shape of Water won. Um, but, you know, obviously I was not expecting that. No. And let's take a moment too and chit some praise on uh, our boy Guillermo. Not only, you know what? Two things, Matt. Congratulations. All right, thank you. you. Won. First and for I, the first time ever in the history of the show, somebody beat Chris, and he's very upset about it. And I'm glad he's really he's really crucifying himself on the the sound mixing thing. If you will, if you'll sit here and talk, that drives me crazy. 
<laughs> they don't know what it is. So anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to Del Toro. <laughs> it's you know, it's I got it. It's well deserved. Uh, all right, let's yeah, let's let's bring that down. So, but yeah, so congratulations that you won. I think it's fine. Well, one year, I think I got one wrong. I think one year. So I'll hold on to that forever. But um, it's just, uh, I just want to talk about our boy, uh, Guillermo. The fact that he did win for a genre film as well. Because it's because the movie's so much more than that. It's just a perfect distillation. Kind of like last year, we thought La La Land was going to win because it, it's just a film that loves Hollywood. That's what yeah. Shape of Water is too, right? Mm-hmm. It's an adult fairy tale that is just in love with movies and in love with love. Um, so it's just a it's a great little movie. And congratulations. We're both Del Toro fans, big time here. So the fact that he now has a best direction uh, and a best achievement in direction, if I will, Oscar, and then a best picture Oscar on his mantle is just fantastic. So congratulations. Yeah, good for you, girl. So, all right, what else do we got to talk about? So I'm glad he won, do that he won direction. I always think it's weird when the best picture doesn't win best direction. That's like the movie direct itself, but that does happen every now and then. So let's see here. Anything else that really jumps out about it? Um, Best song, I that really bothered me too. I really thought that the the song from, uh, what is it? Do 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 do. Uh, Call me by your name is a really uh, a sweet little song, and I th- honestly I think it's better than the Coco one. Coco one's good, but I think what pops with Coco too is the ending, um, and the way the song is treated at the end when we, when yeah. uh, Amalita we you know that, that yeah. I mean you're on the floor crying at that yeah, point, so that, that's probably that's, what pushed it over it the edge. I mean, people are thinking about that, you know, that they were crying at the end of that film, and that's that's why. And a lot of more, I bet you a lot more people saw Coco than saw Call Me By Your Name too, which I probably should have factored into my decision, which I did not, because I Mm -hmm. am dumb. So, all right. A couple of things. Is that it for the Oscars? Oh, Tiffany Haddish and Maya Rudolph clearly need a buddy cop movie as soon (laughs) as possible. The two of them were probably the highlight for me of the Oscars. And uh, that was it. I had that, and I want to talk about Jordan Peele, like I said, so... Any other Oscar talk for you? Winner, champion, 2017, 2018? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Kimmel did an okay job this year? It was fine. I like Kimmel. Yeah. I like when they went to the, uh, the, the the screening of A Wrinkle in Time Yeah. with everybody. I liked Army Hammer <laughs> with the uh, hot dog cannon. Yep. I thought that was a lot of fun. I liked uh, Mark Hamill introducing himself to Wonder Woman. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I thought, I thought I like Kimmel. I think, he did, I think he did a good job. So, yeah. yeah. Lowest rated Oscars ever, I think, too, or at least in a while. Um, Lower than last year's, which were previously really low. Um, I know some people made a point of that in their tweets that reside in big white houses. I don't know why. Um, It's it's fine. It's too long. It's too long. It's really what it is. And they had a running gag for it where they stole our prices right bit, you know. Right. That was pretty funny. Um, But, yeah, he's not wrong. I mean, it's... I, I mean, it was a school night, so I didn't even stay up for the whole thing. You know, I had to catch the the catch it later, oh, no. the, the last the last few, last like I don't know half hour or so uh, the next day because I was like, dude, I gotta go to bed. Uh, yeah, no, I stayed up for the whole thing. I wanted to, I just wanted to see what happened. I, I didn't, you know, I was part of me was secretly was hoping that Get Out was gonna win. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I stuck to it. I'm committed, Matt. I'm like you. 
Yeah, obviously. Obviously. But I mean, to be fair, folks, Chris doesn't have a commute. He does not have a commute. (laughs) That's a very good point. My commute is my bedroom to my home office. That's right. Yeah. So plus I was I, I, I did what I did at one point when I once I'd realized that I had no chance of catching you. Yeah. I seriously considered moving on to Star Wars Battlefront two. Did you? Uh, I, did. <laughs> I, like, I right, can imagine that I can uh... imagine that conversation with yourself. No, no, you will sit there and watch this. <laughs> Basically, it was a rough yeah. night. Yeah. So bastards. All right. A couple things I wanted to talk about as well. Uh did you get the text I sent you? About Captain yeah, Marvel, Shazam. Yeah, I did. Yes. What do you think? Did you see? So they, there's a little, they've the first real b- full pictures of uh, is it Zach Levi? Levi is that how he's? Zachary Levi, yeah. As Captain Marvel, um, or I guess we have to call him Shazam. Uh, Shazam. It have leaked online. That costume is like Christopher Reeve Superman esque. Now I don't yeah. know if there's going to be any um, digital manipulation down the road, a la Green Lantern. But man, I'm loving that S. Let me tell you, man, that thing is so, it's great. It's perfect. It's absolutely yeah. perfect. What do you think about it? Yeah, it is. It is really good. And I mean, just looking at all the, it makes me wonder, you know, they see all the uh, fake padding muscles underneath all the, yeah. underneath the suit for Zachary Levi. It makes me what they're going to do with the rock playing Black Adam. Like, you know, is he going to be like, can he, will he even be able to move? Because rock doesn't even really need that kind of stuff. I really want to see. I really want to see Rock in his Black Adam outfit right now. That would be cool. Um, you think they'll have a pointy ears? He's got to have the pointy ears. No, I never quite understood why. Why he Black has Adam ears. has pointy ears? He's not an alien. He's just from Egypt, right? Originally, I don't know. He's an elf. Maybe so he's an elf. you know, the Black Adam costume is not going to have sleeves. It just. Oh, you don't think so? No. It'll be a tank top. That's all it is. <laughs> It'll be a tank top walking around with a, bu- a, jug- a gallon of water. <laughs> It'll be a blank, ta- blank mesh tank top with a gold mesh lightning bolt down the middle of it. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. And all right. Cool. I wonder if they'll, they'll, they'll keep the bowl, the Brahma bowl there on his arm yeah. digitally or put some makeup on there. Why not? It's a rock. You can do whatever he wants, right? You can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So still, I'm really excited about that. So I'm happy to see that. Also, they cast Kristen Wiig as Cheetah for the Wonder Woman sequel. I saw that. That's crazy. Thoughts? You think, uh... Um. So I don't know that much about Cheetah. I don't really. I never really read. I mean, DC Comics in general, but I didn't really read Wonder Woman. How is what is what is she kind of supposed to be? Kind of a funny character, or were you getting straight up dramatic Kristen Wiig? I don't. I don't think she's supposed to be a comedic actor or a comedic character. I don't know. I don't know that much about Cheetah outside of Super Friends, which I don't really right. think I should consider canon. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's just an interesting. It's just an interesting choice. Interesting choice. We'll see. It what, an interesting choice. Yeah. We'll see what they end up doing with that. Um, what else do we have for you? I'm sure a lot of these are things that you've talked, you're going to have in your pocket. Infinity War, two hours, 36 minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it. I think it's going to be a fast lean two hours and 36 minutes. They got, a lot, they got a lot of characters to give time to. So, I um, I think that's definitely part of it. And, uh, I don't, I don't have an issue with it per se. You know, they're going to do a great job with it. It's the Russo brothers. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be fine, but still that's long. That's a long movie, though. I have watched that three-hour Snyder cut of uh, Batman v Superman about a dozen times because I don't know if I just secretly hate myself. I was about to say, I think you just really, you're really trying hard to love something that's just not good because you want it to be good. Possibly. Quite possibly. Captain Marvel, the Marvel version, is set in the 90s. Thoughts? Um... 
I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. That would explain kind of like it would allow you to to get her off Earth, 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 and you know why she's never interacted with any of the Earth's mightiest heroes. Why we've never seen her before makes sense. It's interesting. I think it's part of it too is they want to kind of explore a world before there were superheroes, right. before Nick Fury's Sam Jackson, you know, was you know had a twinkling in his eye, one eye, uh, yes, about putting together a team. Yeah, it's interesting. Here's my one concern. The '90s sucked. All right, they just a lot, not some some good movies, but not many. Some bad shows. The music, for the most part, was atrocious in the '90s, um, particularly pop music. So I don't have a lot of fond memories of the '90s. I don't know if I really want to go revisit it, even though we love Brie Larson on the show, um, and Shazam will always be my Captain Marvel. Still, uh, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple more things, but go ahead. What do you got? I've been talking for the whole time. Did you, have That's I spoiled fine. anything from you? No. So um, Villeneuve, he's uh, planning on doing a. He's planning on doing two Dune movies. How likely do you think he's actually going to get around to making that second one? Giving giving his uh, his take on Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, what's the issue? Mm-hmm. Is is I'm worried that they may say, "Whoa, Dennis, you cost us about a hundred mil." All right, after right. Blade Runner. So why don't right. we pump the brakes a bit? Or is it more he's making his film and they're just going to chop it into two? Um, no, from what I understand, he's he's planning on making two separate films and each one's going to take like two years to make. Listen, part of the issue is that I don't have any experience with Dune as a property. I've right. never read the books. I haven't seen Lynch's version. I haven't seen the Sci-Fi Channel version. I have mm-hmm. no attachment to Dune. Right. Uh, it's Villeneuve. So if he wanted to do an illustrative cinematic version of the phone book, I'd watch it. Uh, so it's fine with me. Um, is Deacons his cinematographer on that? I don't think I don't know. he is. So but either way, it's it'll be fine. It'll, I'm I'm all on, I'm all in it just because of Villeneuve. No, I, I'm all in the fact that <clears throat> that he should do it. And if that's the way he wants to do it, I'm completely fine with that. I'm just nervous if he's not doing it at the same time or concurrently that the other one you know, will never get done. The other one will never see the light of day if he's not finished because the, I don't think he's going to make enough money. Just because, I mean, Dune is a very beloved sci-fi, but it's for people who are really niche, really into sci-fi, you know, kind of thing. Um, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's got a lot of heady, really strange um, kind of. This was written in the late '60s, early '70s kind of thought processes going on to it, so it's it's a bit of a stretch. So, so we'll you don't see. think two two and a half half hour movies about spice trading is that and then sandworms are going to hold people's attention for? You never know. You never know. Or floating, you know, warring political houses and like uh, basically some kind of weird blue eyed uh, uh, Arabic sounding people in the in the middle of the desert. Yeah, it's very strange. The whole thing is very strange. All I remember the last time a franchise, a sci-fi franchise, tackled internet, uh, interstellar trade negotiations. It wasn't exactly <laughs> the most thrilling thing you'd seen. Wow, I know. Who would have thought? That's but not I don't. What people want. Yeah, I don't know. That's a problem. You have more of a connection. I feel like Dune is gonna could be one of those. Uh, what's the other one? Where they they made a film like out of a big sci-fi franchise, and I was like, people don't know what this is, and they're not gonna show up for it. Right, um, like well, maybe like a Warcraft thing. Like that's what mm-hmm. I think. Like people think that there's this huge built-in audience, right? And in the end, like they, nobody goes to see it. Well, I mean, or just I mean, hell, we don't even have to go that far. 
Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Blade Runner is a huge seminal film in, in, you know, sci-fi and genre film and just even how those kind of modern genre films look, but there's not at the end of the day, those are for really hardcore people. Your average movie fan doesn't really may have never seen Blade Runner. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where maybe we talked ourselves into making Blade Runner be a bigger thing than it really is. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, culturally, cultural impact wise. Yeah. Well, I don't, I think it still has a lot of cultural impact, but the people who really love it are the most vocal. So they think that there's just because everybody online is saying it's a good idea. Well, that just shows, goes to show you that the geek population who's really into the stuff is really small, no matter how loud we are. Right. Yeah. I think you're entirely right about that. John Favreau leading that Star Wars series, which I just found out today is mm-hmm. specific to Disney's streaming service. Oh, I did not know that. Interesting. Um, There's a big uproar about, first off, A, that it's after Disney's uh, stating that they're going to be more inclusive um, with creators, uh, female creators, and then uh, of minority creators that they went up going with John Favreau. To steer the ship. Now, right. I, I understand why, because he has worked with Disney and delivered some great stuff for them over the last, what, six, eight years. Right. So uh, I, I understand why they did it. They'll just fly in the face of maybe the company's mission statement that they'd made, what, just this past year. Right. But are you concerned? A, your thoughts on that? And then B, are you are we are we hitting oversaturation point? Have we already hit it with Star Wars? Um. Yeah, I think that'll, as far as, I'll take your second point first. We'll see what happens when Solo comes out and how that's received. Because um, if that doesn't do well, um, you know, I could see them taking a, maybe a break um, after they deliver episode nine. Um, maybe it's time to reassess. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but as far as, I to your point, yes, I understand why they picked Favreau. Um, they are playing it safe, and they're playing it frustratingly safe because he's he. You're right; he has delivered some fantastic product for them, but he's also delivered some really middling product for them, especially yeah. his later output. So it makes me nervous, and I think you know Star Wars is something that's so rigid that it would really behoove them to kind of blow it out, like to do something completely different, and like you know what they're gonna do with the other trilogy that they're allowing um i'm blanking on his name the director of of, uh, episode eight ryan johnson ryan johnson thank you sorry um they're letting ryan johnson take the reins up they could have made these especially if they're not going to release them theatrically maybe they could have they could have you know given it to um other directors you know minority directors women directors people just with different younger directors who may have different ideas hmm yeah, I don't know, maybe. Did you see, too, I saw that uh, Jessica Jones Season 2 dropped on Netflix uh, yeah. yesterday. And every episode was directed by a woman, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I got That's up next. I am 15 minutes into the final episode of uh, Punisher Season 1. Okay. So, so again, all that stuff. that's a season that... This, I remember tweeting out that the first episode of Punisher was electric, and it was. Then it grinds to a halt for about three episodes. And then kind of this really, I think they need to reconsider this stuff. From what I understand, Jessica Jones is like eight episodes along, maybe nine. I think that's good. I think this Punisher series could easily have been eight episodes and out the door. Uh, And maybe that's what they need to start looking at. Really, and we've already half adapted, right, the British version of just doing like, you know, 
10 episodes or 12, 13 episodes per season here, particularly on your streaming services. Uh, I think we could definitely do that here as well with some of these Marvel shows because though Punisher's been good, not 13 episodes worth of good. Right. There's a whole like two, three episode arc of him uh, dancing back and forth with Micro. And is Micro a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, is he like three episodes? Come on. So it's, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, now, so is, is Favreau going to direct these films or is he just going to be like the He's producer? helming it. I think he's a showrunner, if you will, okay. for lack of a better term. As far as I know, maybe he's going to, but I can't imagine he'd be directing 13 episodes of a, sh- of a show. I think more he's going to be the the uh, showrunner. It's the going to be the Joss Whedon. Yes, the Zack Snyder. Of, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else? Uh, no, not really. Um, I, I mean, it's a rumor. It's really, it's really, really premature. But I am pretty excited that they're trying to put bring out a pull off a 2000 AD um, inspired like anthology series on TV, um, which would bring in Carl Urban is in talks to reprise Dread for when he shows up in those in those uh, episodes. Awesome. So that would be really awesome because. Honestly, I think Dread or Dread. Carl Urban is my favorite um, genre film super fan actor Hollywood going into today because he just loves. It's a very stuff complicated I, phrase you just had there, but yeah, I know it is. <laughs> yes, but I mean he's he's just a nerd. He's really into this stuff, so I, yeah. I really appreciate the kind of commitment he does to this stuff, and he just seems to get really excited and doing these kinds of things. So, uh, I, the more chances he gets to be on screen doing these things, I'm I'm really excited. Excellent. Yeah, no, I would love to see that too. And did you hear this week too that he stated that uh, Alex Garland basically directed Dread? Yeah. Which I was not yeah. aware of that, but I guess it was a bit of a mess in the editing room and Garland kind of came in and assembled and put the whole thing together. And yeah. Well, I mean, he wrote it, so I guess he came in and saved it. Yeah, that yeah. was... So- it's a good it's an underappreciated film. Underappreciated oh, film. Oh, definitely. That, yeah. that film deserves a sequel, at least maybe yeah. in this show. Yeah. All right, then my last thing for you, Matt, Movie Pass kind of revealed this week or last week that uh, they track everything you do. So that's so we are, so we all know Movie Pass. If you're not familiar, you basically pay ten bucks a month. You can see a movie a day for the entire right. month. Right. Um, and then, how do they make money on that? Because they pay the theaters the full ticket price. Well, there's obviously they're collecting data on you. Well, everybody right. thought, well, they're collecting my movie going, you know streaks or how i do that stuff but it turns out no they're tracking you when you go to the movies where do you go after where do you go eat everything everything they're, they're tracking everything their story is that it's they want to build a complete night out at the movies for people at a at a cheap price and that's the uh what they're explaining now sure i i haven't signed up for movie pass yet because a i'm a member of the amc stubs rewards program and i don't think those two things mesh okay. and then b i i go on five dollar nights so i'm not spending that much typically anyway right so though granted i am spending more than ten dollars a month right but i don't have all the, you know it's i don't know i probably should really and the other thing too is a lot of times i'll go see uh um imax or i love the dolby theater and I don't think it covers them either. It's just a straight standalone, you know, regular ticket. So I wouldn't, that wouldn't work for me there either. So does this make you more likely or less likely to use MoviePass? Do you care at all? I mean, at this point, 
everything's out there anyway, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's creepy. Um, I'm a bit of a paranoid about this kind of stuff. I'm still kind of on the on the fence. I'm I'm pretty uh, even with my social media. I don't let anything track me as far as well, at least I tell it not to. Whether it actually is or not, who knows? Um, but uh, you know. Um, I don't know. I, it probably would keep me away because, I mean, at this point, I haven't done it anyway. Um, and it's really so we've always wondered, how are they making money off of this? And if they're tracking everywhere you go, that's very valuable data that they could sell. So, I mean, that's really what they're kind of you kind of read between the lines. It's not like they're just trying to make it. Oh, so you can have a great movie going experience. It's, no, they want to see they want to be able to sell this to different companies and advertisers and stuff like that, which is just creepy. It's very, it's very minority report, you know, uh, 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 advertising where they recognize you when you walk in the friggin' door. So, right. Um, I'm gonna try and avoid that as long as I can. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I'm on the fence because I would. It would be good to kind of save that money every month too. So right it now would. I'm kicking out about roughly twenty five dollars a month on yeah. movies. That's uh, good. and that's 30. not counting snacks and your gas. And I all tend that not to. Too. It doesn't count gas. I tend not to eat at the theater because I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to die. <laughs> Uh, in three years so yeah no i don't know but still mm, i don't know it is one more strike against signing finally signing up for it that's for it sure is. it is it's a pause it makes you pause it is can your can your frugal greed overcome your need for not being tracked everywhere you go <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough call nowadays yep. so all right so that's the lounge folks if you had any uh thoughts about what we talked about just an email of feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up next week, Wrinkle in Time is out. I really want to see Thoroughbreds. Uh, that's That's been released as well. We'll have to figure that out. Part of me still wants to see Death Wish. I'm not going to lie. I do want to <laughs> see it because I love me some Bruce Willis. I don't mind me some Eli Roth. So uh, maybe I'll try and sneak that in at some point. Okay. There's a whole bunch of other streaming stuff we still want to check out. So we'll, it could be Wrinkle in Time, maybe Thoroughbreds, maybe who knows. We'll, we'll figure that out and you'll find out next week. It's the Stranger sequel is out. Yeah. So there's a lot out there right now. Gringo, the Hurricane Heist, all stuff that came mm -hmm. out this past mm -hmm. Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's a big show for this week. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, by the way, not only are we on Stitcher, Matt, we are officially on TuneIn as well. Wow. So we are everywhere. Just do a search for the first run. Scroll, 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 scroll. You will eventually find us. Mm -hmm. so that's going to be the big show for this week uh, I'm going to take an extended break and we will see you all soon the young belly has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word Shazam!